Okay, this is a brand new wire, and I might have already broken it. I think I sat on it. I guess there's a weight limit on these uh, wires as well. Uh, all that to say, we th thank you again, Deacon Jeff, as well as our finance team. <clears throat> there's a lot of things that go on the background to try to really help the church be able to just really obey simply in the giving of our tithes and offering. If you have any questions, please ask uh, any of the leaders. Um, I know this is an important part of just us functioning as a church, growing in our faith, and giving to the kingdom cause. So if there's any confusion or if there's anything that doesn't work, uh, please let us know. If we can go back to the previous slide, during our offering time, again, quick uh, announcement on the children's CB. I was notified shortly that the children's CB will be taking these on our mission statement. Let's have God's word open us up to Colossians 3, 16 to 17. And one thing I do want to mention as we get there is that moving forward, we do want to encourage the church to turn our Bibles there. I know we have it up here on the screen, but we want to make a spiritual discipline and a habit of opening up our hard copies. If you look in the pews, there are pew Bibles there. And we are in Colossians chapter 3. In your pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 984, 984. So I highly encourage you to open up your Bibles. And for those of you, for whatever reason, if you cannot see or have one nearby, you can also look on the screen. Colossians 3. And when you're there, I'll ask that you rise for the reading of God's Word. Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17. This is the Word of the Lord. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and join us in song and prayer. Speak, oh Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that our light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Check. Okay, all right. Uh, well, uh, the mission of our church is to make disciples who live out the gospel in both word and deed. And our focus since last week has been on how, what does it mean to live out the gospel in word? We saw last week that one way we can do this is to use our words to teach, admonish, and build one another up. And as we'll see in today's passage, once again, another way we can live out the gospel in word is through song. 
through the act of singing. You know, interestingly, uh, when it comes to singing, the Bible just doesn't encourage us to sing. It doesn't recommend that we sing, but in fact, it commands us to sing. It commands us to sing to Him, and it commands us to sing His praises to each other. Colossians 3.16, as we read, says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, the English translation might not make this all too clear, but what Paul is doing here in this verse, he's exhorting the church to teach and admonish one another and also to sing the praises of God to one another. A parallel passage can be found in Ephesians 5, uh, verses 18 to 20 says this, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So the question, who do we sing to? Well, of course, we sing to God. In church, that's what we do. We sing to the Lord, but we also sing His praises to one another. We live out the gospel in word by singing to each other. So at this time, I'd like everyone turn to the person that you're sitting next to, Look them in the eye. <laughs> and it just got really awkward and tense because you know I'm going to ask you to sing. <laughs> but but I, I won't do that. But the, but the idea here is that we sing not just to God, but we sing to God for and towards each other. Colossians 3.16 as we get in, as we'll get into it a bit more deeper, uh, as we get into it deeper, uh, tells us a few more things about singing to one another, and these are the three things we're going to look at. Uh, first, we're going to look at the content of our song, the what. Next, the manner. How do we sing to each other? And third, the reason. Why should we sing to each other? So first, the content. What should we sing to each other? Second, the manner. How should we sing to each other? And third, the reason. Why should we sing to each other? First, the content. What should we sing? Well, the verse lists three types of songs. It lists psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, since the third century, since the third century AD, there's been debate over what these three things actually mean. But if I can boil it down very simply, I'll say this. First, the psalms. The Psalms are actually a collection of songs that we have in our Bibles, one of the longest books that we have in the Bible, but the Psalms are a collection of songs that have been sung since the 8th century B.C. The Psalms are songs that ancient Israel sung in the first temple and throughout all of history. These songs are preserved in our Bibles, in the book of Psalms, And we are instructed by Paul to sing these old songs anew to one another. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but we actually do sing the psalms. Uh, There's a song on our current praise list. Uh, If you go to Spotify and you listen to the list, there's a song on our current list called Psalm 90. And it's a psalm, it's a song that's taken straight from the psalms. And we sing it together. 
I'm not sure if you remember it. Um, EJ, could you just play a little bit? You guys remember that song, right? That song is Psalm 90. It's taken straight from the Psalms, and we've been singing it at our church for the past few months. I mean, think about how amazing that is. We're singing songs that were sung before electricity was discovered, before the invention of the printing press, before the invention of eyeglasses and the button. These songs that have been sung since the 8th century B.C. have been passed down, and we sing it together at church. I mean, think about how long a hit song remains in our psyche. How long does a song last in in the cultural milieu? What is the oldest song that you know? Recently, my boys, uh, they were singing the hit 90s song, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Uh, They had stumbled upon it on some YouTube video, uh, two Asian boys lip-singing it, and uh, they found it to be hilarious. And they started singing that song. And I was like, oh, how do you know that song? And they, they told me how they discovered this YouTube video, and they remarked that it was the oldest song that they knew. I mean, think about it. Songs rarely outlast a generation. But in worship, we sing the songs. Albeit the music is lost, but the lyrics are the same. We're singing songs that are close to 3,000 years old. And this, friends, is a testament to God's faithfulness, His unchanging character. See, what the people said about God throughout all the ages still rings true for us today. And I'd imagine that when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing the Psalms together with all the saints throughout all the ages. And so Paul tells us to sing the Psalms to one another. Second, he mentions hymns. Hymns. Hymns are probably in reference to the songs that were based off of Scripture, songs that were rich in theology, songs that were created often with the goal of stirring both the affections and the mind. We have a few hymns in the New Testament. Philippians 2, 6 to 11. This is, um, you, know, he, you know, he gave himself up. He descended and became like man. And he emptied himself, taking up on the cross. That was actually a hymn that was sung early in the church. Or Colossians 1, 15 to 20. John 1, the opening uh, verses of John, it was actually a hymn that was sung in the churches at that time. These were hymns that were sung. And friends, the red book that's sitting in front of you in the pews, that's a hymnal. These were songs that were compiled for hundreds of years, rich in theological truths with abundant references from Scripture, and they were made, and we sing them to stir the affections and also the mind. The first song we sang this morning, of for a thousand tongues to sing, was written in the early 1700s by Charles Wesley. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. The hymns were written with Scripture in mind, with deep references and theological teaching to inspire the church forward, both with the heart and the mind. 
the third category or, or the third type that Paul mentions that we ought to sing to one another is spiritual songs. Now, we're not actually quite sure what this reference is, but it's likely talking about all songs, general songs, songs about the gospel, about faith, about salvation, about life, about God. Any songs that don't fall into, cat, into the category of psalms and hymns, but songs that are still of spiritual edification. You can say that the contemporary songs that we sing fall under this category. Or songs that our children sing at VBS. Or songs that you listen to on the radio on K-Love. Spiritual songs. See, I think it's quite interesting that when Paul exhorts us to sing to one another, he mentions all three. Now, there are some churches that are insistent, we're only going to sing the psalms. Some insist, we're only going to sing the hymns. And some churches say, you know what, we're only going to sing contemporary praise. Personally, I know we all have our preferences too. Music could be such a subjective thing, such a personal thing, and we all have our preferences. However, Paul, as he writes in Colossians 3, exhorts us to sing the psalms, the hymns, and spiritual songs. Why? Why? Well, because the occasion for singing is always different. The need for a song can change depending on the circumstance and mood. Sometimes we need to sing songs that are so deep in theological truths. We need to sing the hymns. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of Scripture, and so we sing the psalms. And sometimes we just need to hear simple truth over and over and over again. Songs that repeat a very simple truth that hits directly at the heart. The occasion, the circumstance, the need will always be different. And so Paul says, sing the psalms, sing the hymns, sing spiritual songs. Sometimes we need songs that are just so simple, one-liners. The song that comes to mind is God is so good. We all know that song. We've sung it over and over again. Right? You know that God is good, but there's a difference when you hear in song that God is good. Egypt, could you play just the melody? You guys remember that? Can we sing it together? We'll start from the start, beginning. God is so good. God is so It's different hearing that God is good and singing God is good. It's different hearing in word form God is good and actually hearing others sing that God is so good to you. See, the goal of singing, as we find, is not preservation. Our aim of singing is not to keep a tradition going, but the aim of singing is to actually turn the eyes and the hearts of God's people towards Christ in all occasions for all needs. And sometimes the psalms are needed, sometimes hymns are effective, and sometimes spiritual songs are most potent. Songs that we sing on Easter Sunday will be different than the songs that we sing at a funeral Songs that we sing for our daily devotions will be different than the songs that we sing when we're desperate or in joyous moments, singing on all occasions. Margaret Schaefer, who's a former 
professor of voice at USC once wrote this. She says this, singing has the power to alter our moods and conjure up memories and feelings. Singing also provides an emotional release, a way to express our thoughts and feelings. We sing because something inside us needs to express something beyond words. And friends, church, God has given to us a treasure chest of songs fit for every occasion, songs that we can sing to one another on all circumstances. That's the content, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Second, the manner. What is the manner in which we should sing? Well, we read in today's verse, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, singing is part of the human experience, right? Everyone sings. It's one of the features that make us distinctly human. But why don't you consider the manner in which people sing? How do people normally sing? Well, they sing in joy or they sing in desperation. They sing in love or they sing to feel good. They sing in a nostalgic manner. They sing to overcome the present fears and worries. People sing to connect the posture, the manner, the attitudes of singing are all varied. And while all these things can be true for the believer, at the core of our singing is thanksgiving. In an earlier verse, Paul states clearly the importance of thanksgiving. In verse 15, he writes this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. And then he says, sing to one another with thankfulness in your hearts. This is what makes Christian singing unique from all the other types of singing that's out there. Christian singing is characterized by thanksgiving. We are thankful because God is faithful. We are thankful because of the gospel. We are thankful because of the cross. We are thankful because the grave is empty. We are thankful because he gave us a new name, a new identity, a new family. We are thankful because of who he is and what he has done. And even in moments when we sing because we are in need, even in moments when we're singing out in desperation at the depths of our hearts, we can be thankful because we know that he hears us. You know, the Hebrew word for thanks is todah. And you know where that word comes from? That actually comes from the word to sing, to praise, yada. So as Scripture understands it, to sing means to express thanksgiving. And just think about that. Do a simple search on Google or in your mind. Do a simple search. How many songs do you know that are sung with the spirit of thanksgiving? How many songs are about expressing gratitude for what has happened as opposed to what you wish would happen? John Stott, in his book, The Cross of Christ, he draws this distinction between Christianity and other religions as he writes this, a Buddhist temple never resounds with the cry of praise. Muslim worshipers, they never sing. Their prayers are, at the highest, prayers of submission and request, but they seldom reach the gladder note of thanksgiving. They are never jubilant with the songs of the forgiven. By contrast, 
Whenever Christian people come together, it is impossible to stop them from singing. The Christian community is a community of celebration. Friends, if there's anything that we can learn from the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years, it's that their hearts and their postures, their disposition was naturally, was always bent on swerving towards discontentment, towards bitterness, towards grumbling. Like when your wheels are out of balance, when there's something wrong with your axle. And what do you do? You hold the steering wheel straight, but what happens? Even though you hold it straight, it just naturally swerves to the right or to the left. That is what our hearts are like. We are naturally bent towards discontentment, grumbling, and bitterness. So what does God instruct the people to do? What does he say? He says, sing. Sing. Sing of God's salvation. Sing of God's promises. Sing of God's victories. Sing about answered prayers. Because when you sing, you will start to kick up the dust of thanksgiving that has been buried deep within all of our discontentment. Friends, I challenge you this morning, if your heart is grumbling, if you're murmuring, if you're discontent, if you're depressed, if you're afraid, if you're anxious, I plead with you, sing, sing. Singing praises will once again realign your hearts toward the grace and the love of Jesus filling you with thanksgiving. Singing will hedge your hearts in. Singing will lift your eyes upward. Singing will break your heartedness. Singing will tenderize your spirit. Singing songs will cause the gates of thanksgiving to open. Sing to one another. Sing over each other. You know, there are times in worship after a long week of ministry, after meeting with individuals through counseling, after hearing the prayer requests of the members in our church. On Sunday morning, uh, the praise team would start playing a song. And as I read the lyrics that are up, I know I need to hear this song. But also the person that I talked to that week comes to mind, and I think, oh my goodness, this person needs to hear this song as well. And so naturally in worship, I start to sing louder and louder and louder with hopes and prayers that that person would hear. In a sense, I am singing praises to God to that individual. But then I look back and I see that they're not there. I look back and I think, oh no, this should have been the response song, not the beginning set. It's too early. They're not here yet. See, the manner in which we sing is thanksgiving. We sing to each other with thanksgiving to God, not only for what he has done in my life, but what he is doing in each other's lives. We sing to each other not because we want to change the other person, not because there's something about that other person we don't like and we want to change them, but we sing to each other first and foremost because we are thankful for what God has done in each of our lives and we see the portraits of grace in each other and we give thanks. Thank you. Thank you for saving that brother. Thank you for saving that sister. You are worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. May you receive it not just from my lips but also from that brother, from that sister. The manner in which we sing is through thanksgiving. Finally, the reason. Why do we sing to one another? Well, first, as we saw in the case with the Israelites, we are a very forgetful people. And singing is one of the best ways to remember. If you want to teach someone something, the most effective way is to learn it through song. 
You know, some of our children today, they know all 50 states before they enter the second or third grade. Why? Because they learned it through song. You know, us adults, if you ask us to name all 50 states, if it's not through song, we'll probably have difficulty doing so. I know all the books of the Bible in order because I learned it in song. Think of all the theme songs from the cartoons or sitcoms that you watch growing up. The moment you hear the melody, you can actually start singing it. One expert, Henry Rodinger, who was a professor of psychology and memory, wrote this, our brains can process and store millions of pieces of information every day. That is the easy part. What is difficult is pulling out data efficiently. Music provides a rhythm, a rhyme, and often alliteration. This is a key that unlocks information stored in our brains instantly. We sing to each other as a way to remember, as a way to recall, as a way to have our brother and sister remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But the second reason why we sing to one another is unity. The command to sing one another, uh, sing to one another in Colossians 3.16 is actually followed by a more lengthy discussion on maintaining unity in the body. If we go back to verse 12 in Colossians 3, he says this, Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. So we find in this section, the commands that Paul gives are relational. How should we treat one another? How should we deal with one another? How should we approach, with one, another, approach one another? And Paul says, be kind, be humble, bear with one another, be meek and forgive. And then Paul continues, above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. What is the stress here? It's unity. And that's when he says, sing to one another. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What is the reason? It's to maintain the unity that we have through Christ our Lord. It seems that we are called to sing to one another as a means to maintain the unity that we have already in the gospel. And if you think about this, this is really, really practical. Singing together actually helps us to be united. Singing teaches our spirits how to become one. When we sing together, we learn how to wait. We learn for the right time. When we sing together, we learn to listen to each other. When we sing, we learn how we can contribute without disturbing Singing isn't about uniformity. No, we each have our different voices. Singing is about unity. Distinct voices singing a melody, a chorus, a song together. Friends, if I can be candid, ministry and church life can be a very divisive thing. You've experienced it probably throughout your life, how churches can be so divided all the meetings that we go through, all the ministry agendas, all the business planning, everyone has their own thoughts, their own beliefs. For every one person in a meeting, I'd say we have about three different opinions. (laughs) 
And one person who said something earlier, about a half an hour later, he disagrees with himself. That happens all the time. For every one person, we have so many different opinions. It's hard to be on the same page. We know what it's like. And one way to remedy that is to sing. It's to sing together. There are actually international studies that show that when we sing together, our heartbeats become synchronized. When we sing together, our souls become knit together. We become one. It's hard to maintain unity, even within three or four people. It's hard to maintain unity within a church. The people that we see each other once every week, how do we maintain unity? We sing together. Singing teaches us how we can look together to the same thing, how we can trust together in the same thing, how we can listen for each other and rely and depend upon each other. Let me just conclude this section by just talking about Jesus, Jesus singing. The Bible mentions a few times uh, instances where Jesus sung. I just want to draw your attention to two instances. The first is at the night of Jesus' capture when he was betrayed by his disciples. He sits with his disciples. They have the Lord's Supper, which is called the Eucharist, which actually comes from the word thanksgiving. So they're giving thanks together. They're breaking bread together. And Jesus knows what's in everyone's heart. He knows that his closest disciple, Peter, is going to betray him. He knows that Judas will actually sell him off. He knows that all the disciples will disperse. He knows that everyone in that room, they are after who? Number one, they're thinking about themselves. Everyone is divided in that room. And after breaking bread, giving the Eucharist, what does Jesus do? He says, let's sing a hymn. And they sing the Psalms together. Perhaps it's Jesus himself who needed to prepare his heart, thinking, I'm going to go to the cross for these people. And to maintain a spirit of unity, he sings a psalm together. Another instance is in Hebrews 2, where the author of Hebrews talks about the work that Jesus has done, bringing many sons to glory. And then the author of Hebrews says this in verses 11 and 12. He says this, this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying what? This is Jesus speaking. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praises. Here is an example of Jesus. We are taught that what is Jesus doing? Jesus is singing the praises of God to who? To us. And as he sings the praises of God to us, Hebrews is telling us that he is not afraid, he is not ashamed to call us his own. He considers us to be a part of his congregation. In many ways, Hebrews 2, 11 is telling us that Jesus is our praise leader. He is singing the praises of God to us. And in so doing, he's saying, he is not ashamed. He is not ashamed of us. Friends, why do we sing? We sang because Jesus sang over us. We sing because Jesus going to the cross sang a psalm of hymns to remind us of his work for us. And we sing together as a church because he is worthy. We sing. And so church, would we now take up this call to live as disciples who live out the gospel in word by singing. Sing to each other. Would you join me in prayer at this time?
If we can just take a few moments just to respond in prayer at this time. Would you ask the Lord that we would be a congregation that's filled with thanksgiving as we sing the praises of God to one another. Let's take a few moments to pray for that. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for who you are and what you have done. We thank you that you are our praise leader, that you have sung the praises of God among us in this congregation. And in so doing, you are not ashamed to call us your brothers and your sisters. We thank you for the way in which you maintain the spirit of unity, and now you call us to do the same thing as we sing to one another. Father, we confess that we are so prone to forget. We confess that our hearts and our minds are misaligned, that we keep swerving towards discontentment, towards bitterness. We keep swerving towards grumbling. But Father, when you cause us to sing, and to kick up the dust of thanksgiving that has been buried so deep within us. Cause us to sing. Sing to one another. Sing to remind each other of your goodness and your faithfulness. Help us to sing the gospel. Help us to sing simply that you are worthy. Help us to sing simply that you are good. You are good to us. We thank you, and in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, um, I'd like to invite uh, Peter and Miriam.